Hello, and welcome to the podcast program In Community and Company, a series of conversations that examines how, how communities galvanize. I'm your host, Eric Sloss. The program investigates how neighborhoods, communities, and groups of concerned citizens galvanize or rally around various issues and challenges. Today, we are going to understand how a person's home, even furniture, or someone's habitat can make a community rally. No better to discuss this topic than Stephen Crary. Stephen is the executive director of Off the Floor Pittsburgh. Off the Floor Pittsburgh is a local nonprofit since 2004. It's provided basic used furnitures like beds, dressers, tables, and chairs to disadvantaged families who lack these items. Stephen, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here, Eric. So tell me how you got involved with Off the Floor. That's a great question. Um, yeah, because my background would not lend me to this role. Um, I find that, uh, you know, I've spent so much time of my life doing um, a lot of different jobs, uh, kind of like jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> so for me, um, h- how I got here, I'd say, um, was through a myriad of work experiences, but more importantly than that, it was just having a hunger to see lives changed, you know, and, and that has kind of been the hallmark of my career everywhere I went. But, I mean, even, you know, if you go all the way back um, in 2010, I had was driving into work. I was working at a company called Calgon Carbon. They're a water purification company. So I was working in the research uh, facility there and had kind of this moment, kind of this euphoria where uh, I really felt the Lord was putting on my heart to move into the nonprofit space, which really blew me away because back in 2010, um, I had an undergrad in chemistry, never had taken a business course in my <laughs> whole life, and was working happily as a research chemist and didn't really know what that meant at that moment. I just knew that there was desire that was kind of building up in me to go into the nonprofit space. And over the period of 12 years, um, it started me on this journey where I got my MBA uh, in project management, got a certification in project management. And up until that point, I had never even taken, like I said, a business course, but I went and got an MBA from Colorado Christian University. And then I started to apply to other jobs to use that degree, got into Highmark, started as a project manager, right? (laughs) I felt good about using my degree and my certification. (laughs) So I was working in operations, moved over to what they call audit and compliance, within Highmark as a manager of the reporting and analytics team. I then kept going up the ladder and became the director of what they call strategic audit analytics. And then finally, before I left uh, last year, I was the senior director of commercialization within Highmark Health Solutions. So it was a journey over, you know, uh, like I said, you know, from that time that I had gotten that desire that I felt strongly pressed into me to move into the nonprofit space. I knew I didn't have the skills at that moment, right? I mean, you know, I think to myself, like, what's a chemist going to do to change the world, right? (laughs) I can make some good coffee. (laughs) Um, So what I did was, is you know, I, I knew I had to improve myself, right? I had to upgrade my skills, my talents, and and my business acumen. So that's what started me on that journey, and then. 
you know, as, as I mentioned about Highmark, um, I got to lead teams both here and abroad, uh, build great teams, um, be a part of some really great projects and initiatives that help the communities out uh, here in Western PA. And I just felt that um, at that point last year that I, I had really got to a place where I knew myself, I knew what I could offer, um, and I, I felt strongly that um, it was time. It was time for me just to step out and fulfill that word. And so that's what I did. I started applying. So I left Highmark April 9th of last year, started applying, took about uh, eight months before I could get a role. And in that time I did Uber, you know, I joined the gig economy <laughs> like a lot of people do. And mm -hmm. uh, I was blessed to be able to, you know, make a way through that financially. Uh, and, you know, Uber was, was good for my family and I. And so, uh, and then off the floor called me. Uh, I had another offer from another nonprofit, but I felt strongly that the time for me to to lead in the nonprofit space had arrived, and it it certainly was something that didn't happen overnight. Like I said, it was a journey for me to feel confident in who I was and what I could do for that organization and how I could push them forward. That's wonderful. You know, I think um, you know what we overlook how important. Maintaining the items in one's home is uh, something we overlook often. Um, you know, I, I always always think about um, the way we design a home too is is yes pretty sophisticated if you really think about it. The way we put furniture in places they need to be, or where we hang the photos, or these are deliberate. Right. <laughs> these are like really deliberate uh, things that we do when we live inside a home. What is it about furniture uh, that 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 you know, makes people feel comfortable. What is, how important is it? I think it's really important. Um, it's not just the extrinsic uh, properties that furniture gives you to sit down, to eat, um, to be able to relax. It, it's more, I'd say, intrinsic than we realize. It's, it's creating stability. It's creating self-confidence, self-value. Uh, it's creating bonds within the family structure that they can play, uh, you know, they can sit, they can relax. Uh, it's, it's creating uh, a, a maternal sense of peace in that environment. Uh, one thing that we really strive to understand is that when you have furniture, what it does, it helps to persevere the family. It keeps them together. And what I mean by that is, is that there's a lot of research out there that's been done that families are less likely to leave a home if they have furniture in it. Interesting. And so you, you take that to say that, you know, it can't just be about the furniture then, right? There's got to be an intrinsic property to that, that there's a, a feeling right. and a value that you're getting from that. Mm -hmm. um, because if it, if it was just some object, then you wouldn't have any association with it and you could just leave that house. Mm -hmm. But there's a, a less probability that the family would fragment because they want to stay in that house. And then other uh, side of that is, is that, you know, there are, agencies that will not if families get split up and they they want to bring the kids back to uh, restore the family they won't let them come back unless the family has furniture hmm. within the house right so a big part of that is beds right? right kids have to have beds to sleep in so then you talk about restoration and and preserving right uh, the family unit as a whole so you know I think that that a lot of that gets overlooked that you know we say okay like you, to your point it, it's it's beyond just you know having a chair to sit in it's beyond having a desk to do your homework on it's beyond having a chair to watch tv it, 
it means so much more to the family unit and the structure to to really be a glue that binds people together. You think I just think about my my grandmother and she um when she was elderly she she had this chair in pretty much her whole her adult life and um she sat in it and it was it was very important to her. Yeah. But it had so much meaning to me just seeing it when she passed and and seeing it move out of the house because things had to be, you know, removed when she when she passed out of her out of her place. But there is some really imper- very personal meaning to furniture that can that could stay with a family. I agree. Yeah, I agree. You know, one of the happiest days of my life is I came out of the army in 2002, and when I first came to Pittsburgh, I got an apartment in Monroeville. It was called Burnham Woods. It's next to Gateway High School, and so it was just a one bedroom apartment. But I had nothing. I had no furniture. I just had like a box of clothes. And I slept on the floor for a solid two months, right? I had a sleeping bag, slept on the floor. One of the greatest moments of my life was being able to go out and buy a mattress. <laughs> like, right. I still remember that. Like, I went mm-hmm. down to, um, one of, I think it was the mattress factory, and I bought a mattress. And <laughs> it was like, you know, you can't even believe how happy I was in that moment because mm-hmm. then it's like, you know, just something as simple as just not sleeping on the floor, right, right. to get a better night's rest. Oh, for sure. Uh, makes such a huge impact and a difference. And so... You know, I know what a lot of these families um, are feeling in that moment and to start with nothing and to then build up. So it's nice to be able to say to these families that um, maybe they're refugees, you know, from Somalia or Afghanistan. Maybe they're fire victims um, that lost everything. There was uh, the Rhode Island Arms um, apartment fire recently that we're uh, trying to help out on. It it could have been just a, a bad situation you know, financially, it could have been um, domestic violence. It, it could have been just a, a tragedy that occurred in the family, a lost job, a lost loved one. And you just don't know what plight these people are experiencing. So to be able to go in there and offer them something, right? Mm-hmm. No strings attached, no, um, n- nothing that's being asked of them except, you know, just receive, you know, because we want to share that love and spread that love. So, it really helps, I think, give them that opportunity to, you know, feel like they got something, you know, mm-hmm. out of this, you know, situation that um, maybe gives them a little bit more hope mm-hmm. and brightens them up. Well, the premise of the podcast is about how people can rally around a particular issue. And I guess I would would ask you, you know, you know, you, you've touched on it when when disaster strikes or or when. Um, when when families split up, there's people can rally around there. But I guess you know, how would you answer that question in terms of the work that you do? Like in what way? I, I'm thinking like you know, I mean, how how can people you know rally around a particular issue? I mean, I don't I don't think it's intuitive that people uh, understand the importance of furniture as mm-hmm. you eloquently described it. Sure. In one's life, um, but how can people get engaged or rally around this issue? Yeah, I think awareness is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it sounds simple, but, you know, in our world of noise, and there's so much noise out there that pulls people's attentions away, like you probably have a couple seconds max to really grab somebody and, you know, give them uh, some sort of material that they can digest. So I, I'd say just putting an awareness around how important the need for furniture is. So, for instance, uh, we have a 4,000-square-foot warehouse on the North Shore, 80% of that warehouse is empty right now. 
because we need furniture, mm. right? And that's that's the call to action. If there ever was one, like you know, your your listeners can donate, and we you know have a Facebook page, and we we do things like that to let people know, and on our website as well. But you know, there's a need that we have to take furniture out of people's houses. That's you know maybe they don't need it anymore. Maybe they're moving, um, and put that into the hands of families that have a real need. So uh, I'd say just getting the awareness and then, you know, uh, giving them that action item to, to then push it to the furthest good. That's great. I mean, you, you've helped families in 56 zip codes in the greater Pittsburgh area. Um, hundreds of families that's right. You've supported, um, we're on target to try to get to five thousand families wow. since inception uh since 2004 right. you mentioned uh we could try to hit that this year that's great Stephen. that's wonderful so um and how do people can get involved you can go to the go to the website off the floor pgh.org that's right any other ways you said the facebook there's a facebook page there's a facebook okay, page same off the Excellent. floor pgh uh facebook page I, I think we're in the process of right now of redesigning the website and kind of updating our brand and our image so I think in a few weeks it'll get a little easier for, for people to navigate sure. the website and stuff like that, but just tell them to please bear with us. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's it's a process, but we're going to get better. What about um, if I don't have furniture, how else can I can I volunteer? Or, Absolutely. Okay. We, we, we do have volunteers today. Uh, our hours are Monday through Friday, 9 to 4. So if they have any questions, they can go to our website and, you know, use info at offthefloorpgh.org and email us. Uh, they can call the number on the website and, and it'll come to uh, our contact um, in our administrative offices. And, and, you know, Kathy English, is who's one of our delivery coordinators, she'll speak with them. You know, we really need volunteers, to be honest. Like there's probably something that we haven't strategically done a lot around the volunteer base and something that's on my radar to improve. Uh, Like I said, we have a few today, but when you think about how many people live in Allegheny County and how much uh, opportunity exists in getting volunteers involved, we do have volunteer events, like we have one this Saturday. We have a volunteer day coming uh, uh, to the warehouse, but just doing things more like that, getting your name out there and and letting people know that, um, like, you know, one of the first things I think about that they could do is, you know, just helping us as things come into the warehouse, uh, if they need to be cleaned, uh, if we need to wrap them. So we, we try to protect the, the, the fabric as best we can uh, and just situated within our warehouse, inventoried and all, all of the things that go with storing and placing them in a warehouse. That's a really big job and it's really important for, for us sure. to, to do all that and do it well to keep it, uh, the furniture uh, in the best condition as it can be so anything like that that and they don't even have to really have a whole lot of um warehouse experience uh you know we're, we're happy to to teach them that's great well thank you so much Stephen, for this important conversation thinking about furniture it can galvanize a community it's, that's right it's, it's really great conversation Thanks, thank Eric. you so much yeah glad to be here in community and company is produced by the community engagement department at point park university and is recorded at the center for media innovation thank you to dr Heather Starr-Fiedler, Director of the Community Engagement Program, and Dr. Andrew Conti, Director of the Center for Media Innovation at Point Park. And I'd like to thank the technical assistants, Tanner Knapp, today for helping out. Thank you. Thank you for listening.